Welcome to the Sojourn Midweek Checkup. My name is Bobby Gillis. This past Sunday, Pastor Travis taught from Matthew 20 in our Family Values series. He said that God's grace liberates us to work now, first by making our work meaningful, second by warning us of the dangers of envy, and third by the promise of future rewards. I'm joined by Michael Miller, Jasmine Trail Oliver, and Lindsay Blair for a conversation about the sermon, sort of like what you may have in community group. So, what do we think? Um, what is God showing you? I would love to start off just by saying, like, I loved the one slide snippet of Amazing Grace in Spanish. Yes. Shout yeah. out to the amazing singers and musicians who were able to do that. I really appreciate that. How would you say they got, like, did they pronounce things correctly? Oh, yeah. Spanish is extremely lyrical. So, yeah. like, it, it, it has a good flow. In English, it's, I like cheese like in yeah. spanish is me gusta queso all the all the it has a better flow of yeah. things less yeah. staccato so like i i thought it was lovely especially with music and that's part of the reason I, i've been told at least italian is used for um like operatic singing and such mm. so yeah. i thought it sounded lovely sorry to all y'all who missed out on knowing what that meant but you know the song of Amazing Grace. I think you can probably get that. And it was really cool to see Nick and Carrie Walburn. Mm -hmm. I'm not from Oaxaca, um, but like everybody knows where it is in Mexico. Like it's it's well known. And so I honestly wish we could have heard more from Nick and Carrie yeah. about their stories and the people they've met and how they've shared the gospel. Like mm -hmm. I, would, I would really love that sometime. So I'm looking forward to signing up for their update. Yeah, I think if it was one of those deals, if it wasn't coronavirus, what we normally would have do, and so maybe we can, hopefully they can come back here sometime, is like do a whole like potluck supper or something like that, where they have like more time to tell their whole story, like we've done mission nights before, but it's just hard to do that with COVID-19. But yeah, um, I would love to hear more myself. Yeah, because they... I'm sure they've given plenty of sermons in Spanish. So like, I'd be really interested to hear some of their stories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do you all think of the sermon otherwise? I really like how we went from talking about money and how we can be generous with our money into talking about work. And the tables were turned a little bit because we went from talking about how we can be generous to talking about how God is generous with us, um, just in that parable of the landowner. Um, and I've just been thinking about his generosity in that parable. And um, I don't know about you all, but every time that that parable is read or any time that I read that parable, there is something in me that does not like 
that it just doesn't seem fair, you know, like there, and that's just my own, that's my own stuff coming out where it's like, Oh, I would be pretty upset if I had gotten there at six in the morning and worked a 12 hour day. And if someone was paid the same wage as I was and they had only clocked in for an hour, like I would feel a little bit, I feel a little bit upset about that. Um, but in thinking about that, it was just interesting because in that parable, I I identify with the person who's like clocking in at six o'clock. But really, why am I not identifying with the other one? You know, in terms of just thinking about how, how generous the landowner is and, and who are we in talking about God to to criticize or question his generosity towards others um, when we step back and look at how generous he's been with us, you know, like, um, and when we do that, when we take that step back and just start thinking through things that we can be thankful for in ways that he's been generous with us, I think that's when, like, I was like, no, I'm actually more like the, the person who showed up and then what did one hour of work um, than I am the other. Um, so yeah. that, was, that was good for me, just thinking through that and reflecting on that. Yeah, I, I think the posture that we all need to take during sermons, which can be different than the posture we take if we're in a class or in a book where we're getting an extended historical grammatical lesson from the text. Because um, there's, there's so many other things you can, like this parable is rich and there's you know, all these things in it. But when I'm hearing a sermon, I must assume that there is a lesson here for me to make me more like Jesus and his humility, his service, his obedience to the Father. So for instance, if, if you're a manager or a business owner, and you hear a message like this as giving you permission for unjust pay practices, you're, you heard it wrong. And, and a couple of, uh, well, think back to last week, Jesus just talked to a rich young ruler and he said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor. And you know, he said, um, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter heaven. But Pastor Travis, as he was preaching yesterday, he said, I want you to hear this sermon as a call to self-examination putting yourself in the position to examine your own heart when you're tempted to forget the glory of work and to be embittered toward others, whether you're the waiter who is jealous that another waiter gets more tips or you're the owner of the restaurant who is embittered toward the restaurant across town that gets more customers. As Travis said, envy always results in shame and that's like punishing yourself. And Lindsay, I'm just like you. I think my natural tendency is to think, put myself in the position of the, of the 6 a.m. worker that bore the heat of the day and, and not the person that was basically standing around all day. And it's, it's a grace that they got anything at all because, you know, the landowner says, why are you just standing here? And they say, because no one hired us. Like th these are the people that no one wanted and they're going to have to go home to their families with nothing. Um, and so now they get brought in and they get a full day's wage and that's grace to them. And so it changes how I perceive the parable if I put myself in their place, like I'm the one that wasn't necessarily going to get anything and I've been brought in. Mm. And just the, just the generosity in that, ev like everybody he encountered who was standing around, he hired, like that's generous. He didn't pick and choose. Like if they were standing around waiting, like he hired them. Um, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Y'all made a lot of a lot of references that like in, in that self-examination, especially especially of um, Matthew 20. Um, like, Bobby, you just mentioned something about a waiter and 
like for me that that was I remember even going to work with my mom really early. She worked at the Waffle House for 22 years. And she she started working there about three months after I was born, and so she raised us on on Waffle House wages <laughs> and tips and everything like that. And so, like for me, that that always sticks out to me. And it, and it was it was just humbling to see like to see that that grind and and that effort, you know, to to make a living to to provide for your family. Um, and even looking back as an adult now, I remember times where she had to work multiple shifts. So she was there all day. Um, and so that, that was really unique. And then just to think about, like you said, the, the guys who were sitting there waiting to get a job in, in the, you know, the, the station where you go to pick up the employment for the day. Um, I've, been, I've been reading a book, or I've recently read a book. It was called uh, The Warmth of Other Suns. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's the uh, it's basically the African American migration of the 1915, 1915 through like nineteen seventy five, um, and so to make it like really like modern, that was the situation down in like the southern states, like from Georgia all the way to Florida. You know, they would they would have a bunch of uh, black people, and they would like a bunch of black men that would wait in the area to be picked up to go out to like the the orange farm, and they would go and pick the oranges for a day and you know, depending on how much size you got, like if you were getting oranges, depending on the weight, you would get whatever, 40 cents a pound or something like that. Uh, and so it was really, really neat to to think about it from that perspective, even just now as, as I was listening to you. Um, and you said something that was like, there, he was actually a really big guy who even got to do a little bit of college, um, but ended up back in the fields. And George was always someone that they that they wanted to pick because he was a, a like a well like built man, um, but he was also educated in a sense too. And so he got he got he got a lot of flight. It's a it's a great book. It it not only goes through stories of their lives, but it also talks about what was going on in those in like the 1920s and maybe in and maybe this area of the country and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like just thinking of some of those things that helped me to see it from a practical standpoint, and then examining myself in that I've always kind of seen myself as maybe the five o'clock person. Like I got a couple hours in and got my money. And then I watched all you six, you 6 a.m. people getting mad. And I was like, Ooh, like they're really upset. You know, like I've kind of always seen myself <laughs> from that standpoint of, of like, you know, um, something I've just always kind of keep in the back of my mind. is just like, you live different when you know you've been forgiven, you know, like it, it's just, it shapes you in a different way. Like, it's hard to judge somebody when you know how much forgiveness you actually needed, um, despite whatever their sin might be. Like it, it just, that's just something for me that like, when I think about it, it always makes it tough for me to be angry or upset with someone. So, hmm. yeah. What was that book again, Michael? It's called The Warmth, The Warmth of Other Sons. Warmth of Other I think it won a Pulitzer or the Nobel or something like that. It's, it was, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, she's got a, it's a, the ladies. I can't remember her name. She has a new book out called Cast, looking at kind of caste system in America. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I'll have to add it to my list. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, I. There's a book that I'm reading this week. So talking about books, it actually reminded me of, of the book that I'm reading, in, in Chicano literature in the United States, like literature written by Latinos, there's um, it's a big theme of working in fields. 
Um, and so I've, I've even had family who are part of like government programs where you're, you're a Latino, you can apply to work in the fields and it's, it's hard work. It's backbreaking work. You get up at sunrise, you go out and you see if there's work and if not, you can either wait around or drive to another farm and try and find somewhere else. And it's, um, I, I didn't work for that per se. I grew up on a farm, so I, I know a little bit about farm work and, and, you know, we did that as a family, but like to be eight years old. So the, in this book I'm reading, it's called Cajas de Carton, which is um, in English, I think it's called the circuit and, or something like that. It's by Francisco Jimenez. And it's about this eight-year-old boy in the, the 90s who was working in the United States with his family, just going from field to field to field, doing like you said, Michael, but instead of oranges, it was cotton um, or whatever was in season, tomatoes. Mm. And like how little you got for so much work that you did of, and, and backbreaking work of like carrying tons mm -hmm. of cotton that you had to pick with your hands. And it, it like gets on your fingers if you don't have um, protection, like it's, it's spiny. Um, and like just this eight-year-old boy going out in the cold and it, there's this really sad story where he was so cold he thought that urinating on his hands would make him warmer and since he's wow. out in the field you should just do that but it just froze on his hands and he was so embarrassed and it was like oh my oh, gosh man. these sad stories and so um all that to say anyway so like as I was <laughs> like reading those stories of like this little kid working in these fields as he's growing up with his dad and his family and and what that's like and then reading these this parable about someone working in the field was like oh my gosh this sounds really familiar this week but I, I do agree right that it's not so literal um so he starts off the story as this is what the kingdom of heaven is like we're using a simile we're talking about no, it's like this. We're, we're not literally talking about like, if you want to be in the kingdom of heaven, you have to go work out in the field as a Christian. Mm -hmm. Going back to your eye, the, the, the needle and the camel yeah. example. And so like, I, I wouldn't even say that it's envy so much as, and I, I relate to you on this, Lindsay, because I was like, man, I, I could see myself also getting upset at someone making more than me. Um, it reminded me a lot of the Jonah story. So J the book of Jonah where Jonah want, is supposed to preach to Nineveh, but ends up pouting under a, a vine and God rebukes him. Like I have the right to give generously to them. But I think what Jonah was feeling, I, I don't know that a term is envy so much as like what he thought is righteous anger of like, these people don't deserve it. And if I got to choose, I wouldn't be giving it to them. I think it's, and that's more relatable to me, like, or the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son of like, dad, I have stayed with you for all these years and worked for you and taken care of you. And this kid blew it all and then came back and you're treating him better than any of us. Right. Right. <laughs> like that's not, that's saying, not fair. Y'all just saying send enough. You just ain't send enough in your life. That's all. That <laughs> <laughs> you're not promoting. Well, I, here, I, I think there's something there. I mean, like that's a, those are two great examples, the prodigal son and in the story of, of Jonah. It's like we do get this. We're basically um, placing ourselves in the place of God, you know, and saying like, no, 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 that it's, it's not right that you give that person. You're letting that person off, you know, that he's a jerk or they're jerks. Yeah. Um, I'll take I that, Michael. I'll accept that criticism. That's, <laughs> I'm not aware. I'll, I'll accept <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just personally, I, I feel like I'm that, 
the best way I know how to say is that screw up. You know, that person who's like, you know, you came in late, whatever, and then, you know, you get that wage and everybody's like, but he's been here for two hours. Are you kidding me? And I'm like, mm, you got to deal with that with him, you know, or, or like you were saying, like the folks who uh, were, were in Nineveh, like, I, I think if I remember, if that's the same story and doing a little background research on that, like, he had some, some deep anger with them because of something that he did, they did to his people, correct? Is that, is that actually true? Yeah. The, the Ninevites, yeah, they did horrible things to Israel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, for him, it was personal. You know what I mean? It was something that, like, he was like, I can't, I can't do that. Like, send somebody else. Don't do, don't do that to me, too. Um, so, I mean, in that, that story, it would be kind of getting taken away from the point. But just in that story, like, following Jonah, it, you know, you could see him really, like, really struggle with that. And he was like, I know, but like, basically, it's like, I know if I go and I preach your message, they're going to get saved. And this is going to suck, like for me, you know, and that in that is if that's rough, you know what I'm saying? But you can kind of see that not that same thing in Jesus, but the, the, the opposite effect of like Jesus is coming. And he's like, oh, how I want to be like a hen to her chicks. And like, I want to I want to pull y'all in. I want to do this for you. But y'all don't want me. You know what I'm saying? Like the, just just a cool a cool difference in that, but uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I typically feel like the person who, you know, who gets in on the back end, or as I think he, I think he said it, uh, Pastor uh, Travis said, some people got mercy and some people only escaped the heat. Um, mm-hmm. when he put it like that, I was like, man, that is so true. Mm. I think it's interesting at the end where the focus kind of comes off of the workers the focus is more on the landowner and you know going back to just what you said jasmine about we're talking about the kingdom of god and in the kingdom of god um and we talked about this last week like where where they were talking referring to jesus as teacher rather than jesus as lord and i think in this situation it's like are, are we like looking at god like as our boss you know like or are we looking like or like or is he god is he you know, is he God? And and what do we know about him? Well, he says, basically, he's like, I can do what I want to with my money. And so who are we to question? Because, but what we do know is we do know that God is good, merciful. He's perfectly just, perfectly, you know, perfect in his justice, perfect in his generosity. And so I think it's interesting how at the end, that's where the focus goes, not so much on the workers, but, but on the landowner. Um, and I think just kind of what you're saying, Michael, like we, we all, like we, we don't compare to that. We're, like none of us are near, like we're not near perfect. We're not near as like we, we, we can't, like I can't even fathom like the differential in my level of generosity and like God's generosity, my view of justice and God's view of justice. Like I, I, yeah. I just can't even like, like mine doesn't even hold a candle to that. Mm. Right. Yeah. And Jesus is also, he's attempting to teach his disciples a level of humility and trust in him that they are going to need um, in the future. So if you remember um, how how we get here in chapter 20, um, he's just had this conversation with the rich young ruler who has gone away. Um, and then he's, he's talking just to his disciples. And, and what sets this parable up is um, the disciples ask, hey, what do we get for following you? 
and he tells them the story so they'll learn humility. First he says, well, you'll get your reward. And then he says, everyone who follows me will be rewarded. And then he says, but the first will be last. And he tells them this parable. Um, and there's a, a scholar uh, named Craig Keener. I believe he's the president of the Evangelical Theological Society. And he shed some more light on it because um, Keener's really good at looking at what was happening in the culture and the history of the time when the Bible was written. And he says that the rabbis of Judaism in that day, they taught a similar parable with a different outcome to teach that the ones who had been working for God all along, the, the Jewish people who had followed the law, would be rewarded more than Gentile converts who hadn't been at it for so long. So Jesus is upending that. He's telling a similar parable, but with a different ending, uh, because he knows that all these Gentiles that we read about in Acts and the epistles, they're about to come into the family. And he doesn't want these 12 to be thinking that they can pull rank because they've been with Jesus longer but that they're the chosen tribe. And so he's, he's you know, right up front when they say, hey, what are we going to get for following you? He's like, you guys need to understand that the first will be last and the last will be first. Drop the mic, Bobby. <laughs> and I could see people walking away because of that. I could, yeah. I could see a version of myself walking away because of that, of like, mm-mm. Mm -hmm. Say more about that, Jasmine. Do what? I said, say more about that. You said a, a version, of, like a version of yourself. I think sure. I would like to hear more about that. Um, I consider, like, how, how am I going to say this? So I'm a fan of psychology. So um, like today I was listening to a podcast I really like called The Liturgist. And it was about cancel culture. And they talked about a lot of things, but... Uh, they interviewed a man named Peter Rawling, and I, I really liked what he had to say because it, it, this is something that I try and do. Of He talked about um, a kind of therapy called psychoanalysis, and in psychoanalysis, you're encouraged to um, sort of view yourself kind of like in a mirror and see, like, see who you are, learn who you are, not just from from your own perspectives, but also from other perspectives. So your your view with the world, but also the gaze of yourself as a part of the world. So I'm always like, all right, so how, how am I a part of this? How am I reacting to this? What does it mean? Um, so like, and, and seeing that I had the same reaction of, of Lindsay of like, oh yeah, I think that's unfair for that kind of work and that, that metaphor really works for me. Like I, I could see myself being that kind of person saying like, yeah, that isn't fair. And then for God to say, well, that's what the kingdom of God's like. And the, the good in this story is that the, that God is generous to all. I'm like, okay, so that means that if I'm having this kind of reaction, it's for a reason. Um, so what version of, of me would walk away from the faith because of that? Because I feel such righteous indignation of like, God, that's just not fair. And I, I would not do that. Like, I think you're doing it wrong is what I'm, I'm I've been seeing. Like, if I'm saying mm. I, that ain't fair, I'm really saying, oh, I think God's doing it wrong. Right, right. And so like, hmm, let's talk about that version of myself and, and what that looks like or what that means or what way yeah. God's spirit is trying to teach me or lead me in different ways. So I don't know if that makes sense. 
yeah, yeah no yeah it's yeah. yourself to the story basically and and that is honest assessment of yourself you know like yeah. this, this is how i would react yeah and, and if that's how i would react then i wouldn't be a part of the like that's me going away from the kingdom mm -hmm. um it's sort of the interpretation that i'm saying so like okay well where's where's the invitation back how how do like to go back to the sermon question how do i need to change if this is what god's inviting us into of this kind of generosity like jesus says like follow my example so if this is the example that that jesus has set that god has set if i can be generous to you and then back to the parable of the king who said i will forgive your debts but i'm mad at you for not giving forgiving someone else's debt it's like well okay so that's that's what i need to follow if that's how i need to change of god's modeling this generosity this is how i can change it myself and then looking for it in other people so like to, to hear Bobby about you having a meeting that like collectively now with um, some members of like, you've spent six hours meeting with these members out of love for them. And that is your generosity of like, this is my time. I don't necessarily have to be meeting with them, but God has called me to do this. I have a heart for it. God has empowered me to love them in this way, to go listen. Um, and, and that to me is an amazing example of generosity of like, oh, I can see, I can see that part of, of Jesus in this parable and how Bobby's acting. Okay, so that's, that's a way that I could implement that or, or just starting to see that in other people. I think I have a similar, like I place myself in the story in a way that you do, Jasmine, but it's, it, for me, it's, I'm an, on the Enneagram, I'm a three. So we talk psychoanalysis, so now we'll talk Enneagram a little bit. I'm, a, I'm the three. And so like when I wake up in the morning, a lot of mornings, like I'm excited to start working and like, I want to get, done, <laughs> I want to get stuff done. And so it's, Oh man, Bobby, you're killing I me. Tackle the day and check off stuff on my box. And it's like, so I want to get things done. And then I want you to know that I've gotten things done. <laughs> so I can see myself so much into like the people that started and they bore the heat of the day and they worked really hard. And then like, I want to be wreck. It's not even necessarily even about the pay, but like, I want to be recognized as like, I, I'm the one that carried the ball here. And wait a minute, these people that just like, you just like hired them at this and you gave them the same thing as me, but like, I got all these things done. I did all of this for you. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I, I want to earn, I want to earn things. I don't, yes. it's hard. Earn my keep. Grace. Yeah. And it's not to say and, that God isn't pleased with that. The God isn't pleased with you, but that isn't like, maybe it's a misplaced rewards. Mm -hmm. Like, well, the reward is you participated in the work and the field. Good job. It's like, I wanted, I wanted more than a good job. He got a good job. I've, and, and I can get that. Like even, even around the work of like Blake and I, Blake is really good at sharing in part of the household tasks. Um, and so when I, when we do things, we, we like to thank each other, but it's because we also love that kind of praise of like, oh, thanks for doing budget today. Or, oh, thanks for doing this because I noticed that you did the work and it feels good, right? Like, oh, it'd be nice to feel good to be like, oh yeah, Jesus, I did, I did good. And then to think, well, my good works look like this to Jesus. So all the more grace that I should be resting in and praising for, like, it's just a completely different mindset that I still struggle with as a Christian. 
one of the things that um, Travis said that just really stood out to me um, is he said, God does his work in the world when you do your work in the world. Yeah. Um, and I think just that whole concept of like whatever our work is, whatever that looks like for each of us, because we are all created so differently, we're wired differently, we're given different gifts and abilities. And so our work is going to look different. Um, but but that, that the work that we're doing is work that where we can be on mission for God, you know, and, and so and I've just been thinking since the sermon, like, what, what would that look like for me if I stepped into my day, not just thinking about all of the things I need to get done, you know, work wise, laundry wise, meal prep wise, but looking at it as like, no, these things are being on mission for God. And I remember, um, I mean, I've had multiple jobs over the years, um, but when I went from teaching elementary kids to being a stay-at-home mom, there was a huge, like, there was a huge struggle for me in finding significance because I didn't feel like I worked, you know, at the time. And um, I'll never forget just some wise, wise women um, really just encouraged me that like, no, like, you are changing diapers to the glory of God. Like you are changing diapers. That is, that is meaningful work. You, you know, being a stay at home mom is meaningful work. Just like going to a job and clocking in is meaningful work. Like you were on mission for God, wherever you are. And I feel like that was so helpful for me years ago, just to have that mindset of, and again, like, it's not a mindset i a mindset that I have all the time, I have to go back to it and remind myself of that. But I think sometimes we, we can do that. We can see our work as just that means to an end, like being productive. Like, what are we getting out of it? We're being productive or we're making money or we're whatever, checking things off our box, off the boxes. But, but what if there aren't like those neat little checklists to check off? <laughs> and at the end of the day, you know, um, all you can say is you changed 10 diapers and held a baby, you know, that was, that was my struggle then. But looking back, like it, it was very meaningful work. Like, it, and it was work that God had called me particularly to do in that season. And I think he calls us sometimes to different work in different seasons. And I think we can get easily discontented with that if we're not looking at it through that lens of being on mission for God. Like Travis was saying that just, that really struck me. And I was just reminded of that, that season, um, in my life where I didn't feel like my work was meaningful, but it was. Right. I, I use that as an example. I wrote down the exact thing that you quoted and I actually put it. Um, it doesn't matter if you're uh, changing diapers or being a doctor. Like it was like diapers, a doctor. I just kind of like made that rhyme, but like it made me think of like someone who was dropping off their baby, like a doctor who was dropping off their baby at a, at a daycare to go and do their job. Like the, the significance of seeing that happen is like, I'm going to give you the, the most important thing that I have in my life to take care of while I try to go save a life. You know what I mean? And that like, to me, like just that balance is pretty, I mean, it's just pretty cool. Like, and also in a funny way too, like Jordan is, a, is someone who's like kind of, I guess a little bit similar to Bobby. She, I, th I think she refuses to do the Enneagram. So that may be <laughs> something that plays into her number two, <laughs> but I like that. Um, I like, that. like she, she's, she's very like um, just a corporate type of, of person and she, she kills it in that area. Um, 
but I'll be the first one to admit, like, I would love to be at home taking care of that kind of stuff. <laughs> um just because like just like I would I would just get fulfillment from that uh be even being home with the kids or something like that I I could I guess if stay at home dad like that would be a pretty cool thing to me um I'm not saying once I'm in it like listening to what you said Lindsay like I'm I don't want to be naive to think that like I'll be like this ain't important or something you know but it is something that I feel like I would naturally gravitate towards like she she'd come home and see a big fort made in the living room because <laughs> I I would be having a blast. Aww, <laughs> you know, what I mean? I'm not I'm not gonna say that the house would be clean every day because I'll be too busy, <laughs> you know, doing stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I could just totally see myself like I will hold it down here while you go out and feel like you're making a difference in the world. <laughs> yeah, we we have some good stay-at-home dads at Sojourn. Um, yeah, one in our community group. Yeah. Shout out Jesse Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up I mean, he's he's a great stay-at-home dad he's great stay -at -home. i swear that, that's I don't know how i'm gonna get this to happen yeah it's and it's like he'll he'll be the first one to tell you like man it's hard work but he loves his kid and you can tell yeah it's real sweet you, you know um i've been at one point or another in my career in my in my life since high school i've been a farmhand which is way too hard for me I only lasted one <laughs> once of that. Uh, radio disc jockey, customer service representative, file clerk, all kinds of things before I, I, you know, got hired by the church. And I can think back and I've spent too much of my, that time thinking that my work was meaningless. And I don't want that for anyone at Sojourn, especially for those that are younger than me, that are earlier in their, their careers, their paths than me. Like, do whatever you do as well as you can. And if you can better your position, do it. If you can get a job that seems more interesting to you, try it. But wherever you are, as long as you're there, know that you're fulfilling a part of our creation mandate from God. So, like, just do it to the glory of God. Do, do the best you can do. There's so much um, that, is, that is meaningful about our, our work and our productivity beyond what we, you know, we just kind of gravitate either towards the, the like, the sexy cool jobs or the big paying jobs or in the Christian world, the jobs that it seems like there's the most obvious like opportunities for evangelism or things like that. Um, but like, I mean, when I think back to, to working as a farmhand or working as a file clerk, like there was, there was meaning in there that I didn't see at the time. Yeah. I've, I've actually found it pretty fulfilling Bobby. Like, as you just said really well, it's like, I found, most purpose in my life in, in doing multiple, multiple like vocations. Um, and I think we can get caught up on trying to find it and find it all in one, you know, or like you said, like, like for me, I've been at the post office for like eight or nine years now and had multiple times to like, you know, step into the supervisor position. Um, and I won't get in all that. It's just, it's just, it's not, it's not your normal, like climb the ladder type of type of thing. Hmm. Um, but I've, I've, I've watched folks change in that. Just put it, I'll just put it to you like that. And so I was just like, I don't know if I could do that and stick to the person that I am. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've been, I've been a mailman since then, but like what, what's been really cool is to see, you know, there's a natural bend towards wanting to get, you know, to that type of level of, of your job. But, you know, a year ago, I was able to kind of step into a supervisor position, if you will, here at Sojourn. And so, like it's 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 so much more rewarding to be able to do it in a in a church regardless of how much money it is or isn't 
like to be able to do that there. But then also um, a lot of those folks who have jobs like that, they know that they take it home with them. Hmm. For me to clock in at the post office and to, I mean, just to say it like it, to mindlessly put up mail and then to go out and carry it and just walk outside. Like it is, it is a beautiful thing. And it's something that I, I experienced God in just, just the silence. I can experience them in conversations with people that I meet and that's fulfilling, you know, was, I mean, you, you just be surprised the, the people that I encounter who I might be the only person that they see that day. I might be the only person that they talk to. I can think of one lady right now that like, I have to tear myself away from them from her door at least three times a week. You know what I mean? But, but I also try to keep her in mind by the time I get to her door that I've, that I've built up enough time to spend some time with her because literally I might be the only person that she sees, you know what I mean? And so like, it's also, you also kind of see that like, if when you are living out your purpose or like doing what God has called you to, it's, it's really not all about you as much as like, you know, for the, for the folks like that and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, kind of going off back what you said, Bobby, like I would encourage you not to necessarily try to find your purpose all in one job. Like you, you might be forfeiting some stuff. Hmm. That's a good point. All right. Anything else? Anybody sitting on anything? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to continue the, the theme of the God of the first will be last and the last will be first. We'll learn a little bit more about that as we continue to progress through uh, Matthew chapter 20. And so we'll see you there. 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. on Sunday, and then back here next Wednesday, 11 a.m. for midweek check. Let's go.